Today on Blue 58, as the NFL world turns its attention to the playoffs, the Packers are getting started on their offseason. There is already work underway for the 2023 version of the team. So let's ask ourselves an important question. What is the Packers' vision for, well, the Packers? Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I am your host, John Meerdink. Happy to be with you here for another episode. And yes, I am happy to be with you here. It is not what we hoped we would be talking about, but nonetheless, we find ourselves here. And the work is underway for 2023. We have news on the coaching staff of a sort. We have news on the Packers roster, and I have some big questions for the man in charge of it all, Mark Murphy. But let's start with those roster moves. The Packers signed 13 free agents to futures deals today. Among them, and we're not going to to list everybody, but we we do have a few interesting names here. Uh, Tyrell Ford is a new new name in town. Uh, Kicker Parker White is new. Safety James Wiggins is new. And I think also worth mentioning is cornerback Keandre Thomas, carrying over from the practice squad as well, one of the stars of last preseason. Uh, You can see the full list at Packers.com. Benji Franklin has had a stint with the team before, has been around the league a little bit, an absolute burner on special teams, just can fly like the wind. Uh, Parker White, a pretty good kicker for the University of South Carolina, Uh, has kicked around a little bit since his college career ended. And Wiggins, uh, originally a draft pick for the Arizona Cardinals, moderate size for a safety, 5'11", 209 pounds. But the name that really sticks out on this list is cornerback Tyrell Ford. 5 feet 11 inches, 194 pounds, played at the University of Waterloo. And if you don't recognize that name, that's because that's a Canadian university. And Ford is a veteran of the Canadian Football League. He played with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in the CFL in 2022, his rookie season, and he had 10 tackles on special teams over the course of 18 games for the Bombers there. His testing numbers say special teamer. His uh, overall athletic profile from the great relative athletic score metric rounds out to about 8.56 based on numbers uh, from the University of Buffalo's Pro Day and from the Canadian Football League uh, Combine, which is a thing that I learned exists today. And it's it's one of those things where it's like, well, of course it does. They have to have something like that. You'd think they do. And he ran pretty fast when he was there. Uh, testing numbers, again, those say special teamer. Uh, pretty thickly built cornerback. 194 pounds is not inconsiderable for a guy who's 5'11". 444 in the 40-yard dash. Pretty poor agility numbers, though. 4273 cone, 707 short shuttle. If you can run in a straight line really fast... You can be a special teamer. There you go. I think that's Tyrell Ford. And we'll get more into the, the lower end of the roster as this offseason goes on, including some of these futures deals contracts. But I did want to quickly cover a few low-end roster guys that I'm watching for 2023. And this is by no means an exhaustive list. But there are a few names that have popped up of interest, I think, to me, uh, heading into next season at this point already. Starting with wide receiver Bo, Bo Melton. We talked about him when he came over. Uh, the Packers claimed him on waivers from the Seahawks. Essentially a fourth draft pick at wide receiver, I would chalk this up as. And interesting because he's a tendency breaker for uh, for Brian Gutekunst a little bit, where his other draft picks this year have all been tall and big and fast, or at the very least uh, tall and fast. Uh, Melton is short, a more prototypical slot guy. So what is the role for him in 2023, if anything? Well, who knows? But they do have an opening for that sort of sort of receiver, so perhaps he could fill it. 
I'm also interested to see what becomes of offensive lineman Luke Tenuta. It's another giant tackle to go with Rashid Walker and Caleb Jones. The Packers have collected quite a few of those over the past year or so. Does any of those guys develop into anything? I think that group of players, Walker and Jones and Tenuta, is kind of like the poor man's offensive line version of what the Packers did over the course of the 2022 season at receiver. You've got Christian Watson, you've got Romeo Dobbs, you've got uh, Samori Touré, and now you've got Bo Melton there too, essentially. You're hoping one or two of those guys pans out. Tenuta, Walker, Jones, if one of those guys turns into even a a slightly less good version of Yash Nyman, it's a home run. That's a seventh-round pick and two undrafted free agents. If you can get something out of any of those guys, you're pretty happy with it. And they all have interesting size and uh, interesting playing backgrounds. Of the three, though Caleb Jones kind of got the early attention, I think my money would still be on Walker, by far the most decorated of the three in terms of his college career. If you're looking, if pedigree is something that matters to you, he, he has it. He is probably the closest right now to what Yash Nyman was coming out of Virginia Tech. Now, Virginia Tech isn't quite the same level of program as Penn State, though distinctions get fuzzy over the years and things like that. Walker, a longtime starter there, uh, played at a a pretty high level in the Big Ten. It seems like that is, he's going to have an inside track if he can, you know, get his body right, much like Caleb Jones has work to do. But Tenuta, uh, kind of along those same lines, actually uh, was uh, the replacement for Yash Nyman at Virginia Tech. So it's an interesting trio of guys, Tanuta, the latest arriving of the three. Speaking of enormous guys, tight end Austin Allen on that list of uh, futures free agent deals as well. A six foot eight tight end from Nebraska. He was one of the guys we liked most coming out of the draft last year. Uh, thought he would be an interesting late round target. Does end up in Green Bay after all. So nice to see him around. If you're saying, well, John just likes him because he's tall and tight end. Well, yes, you are absolutely correct. If there's a six foot eight inch player who is out there potentially catching passes in Green Bay, you can bet that I will be occupying one of the very first seats on his particular uh, bandwagon. Defensive lineman Chris Slayton also on my list to watch. The Packers still have a pretty significant need on the defensive line, I would say. And he's been around start to finish this season. If you'll pardon the the double negative here, the Packers didn't keep him around for no reason. Though it wouldn't be the first time, it seems. Um, They are, there's clearly something they like about him. And he's been around a little bit too in the NFL. He's had some some short stints with other teams. I I think there, I don't want to say there's something there, because if there was, he would have been on the 53 at some point. But uh, in terms of guys to watch for 2023, I think he's he's right up there. And then fellow defensive lineman Jonathan Ford. Is he a curiosity to me at this point? Absolutely. It wouldn't be a game recap if I didn't mention how he didn't he wasn't active. Uh, but it's it, almost to the point of like seeing Bigfoot at this point. And to be honest, Bigfoot Ford is not that bad of a nickname. So maybe we just file that away and say we'll finally get a Bigfoot sighting at some point. Bigfoot Ford does it. Uh, As we had from a listener point out this week, uh, the great Queso in our Discord server notes that the Packers now have three defensive players named Ford. So we have gone from the Smiths to the Fords. Can we say our defense is built Ford tough? Perhaps at some point in the future between Jonathan Ford, Rudy Ford, and now Tyrell Ford rounding out the trio. That defense, it looks like at this point, is going to be overseen by one Joe Barry. My plan 
and it still is my plan, um, was to talk about Joe Barry in some more depth uh, early next week, the offseason. I've gone through what I want to do for this offseason, or at least through the draft, over the past couple of days. My assessment for Barry and the other assistant coaches is slated for next week. But we did get some news on Barry's future this week, kind of, sort of. Matt LaFleur said he doesn't anticipate any staff changes, which would indicate, and he went on to indicate, that he anticipates having Joe Barry back as defensive coordinator next year. Now, it is worth pointing out that that's what he anticipates. That doesn't mean that's what's going to happen. Joe Barry, of course, has a say in this. Any number of other things could happen. But if what... Uh, LaFleur expects to happen is in fact carried out. Uh, Joe Barry is going to be the defense coordinator for the Packers in 2023. And that is just not super exciting, is it? It's not even that Joe Barry is completely terrible as a defensive coordinator. It's just, it feels like the thing we said all season long about the defensive line. We've tried nothing, and we're all out of ideas. The Packers' defense wasn't the worst, but it could have been better, and should have been better, and it could yet be better. But it could also be worse, which seems to be the major selling point on Joe Barry. Well, yeah, I mean, it could be worse. You could do worse than Joe Barry. But isn't to try to do better than Joe Barry, like, a significant part of your job as the head coach? If you're trying to maximize the roster you've got, if you're trying to maximize your team's chances at winning, if you're trying to develop young players, isn't trying to get the best guy to do that, like literally your job? But Lafleur says that's what he wants. And I just wish someone would say, why? Why do you want Joe Barry to be your defensive coordinator? What is it you feel that he really brings to the team that you wouldn't be able to find elsewhere? And I know that's kind of a rude-sounding question, but sometimes getting answers from people just comes down to being rude. It's just like it's, it's, it's a version of what I always say when um, people say, well, it's okay that Gutekunst doesn't come out and talk during the season. Uh, what are you really going to learn from him anyway? The point of those press conferences is not that you expect to learn something substantial from Brian Gutekunst. The point is really twofold. First, come out and explain yourself to the extent that you feel is necessary. And second, let us ask you some questions and see how you react to those things. If Matt LaFleur can't come up with a good reason when asked, you know, point blank, why do you want Joe Barry to be your defensive coordinator? That's kind of a telling situation. That's the sort of thing that should worry you a little bit if you are, say, Mark Murphy. And we're going to circle back to Mr. Murphy here in just a second. Now, the Packers' defense under both Joe Barry and Mike Patton always seems to have been a little bit less of the sum of its parts. If you're looking at the case for Joe Barry, the big highlight of the season was that last four to five games where the defense really seems to have taken off. And it seems like generally they were playing a lot looser in that in that stretch, they weren't so closely aligned with some of the tenets of their scheme. And then you got to, to week 18 and they were doing some more interesting things schematically. Uh, some of the guys at the Acme Packing Company podcast did a great breakdown on some of the, the unusual things 
at least as far as like tendency breakers and things like that that Joe Barry was throwing out there, that's that's good. It's good that you can get to that, and it's good that you can just let your players play a little bit looser, but a lot of that seems to have centered on more involvement from Jerry Gray. So what then is the selling point for getting Joe Barry back? Say you are Matt LaFleur, and we're going to play a couple of these hypotheticals during this particular episode. Say you were Matt LaFleur, and you were arguing in favor of Joe Barry coming back. How would you sell that? What would you say? I think there's four major points. If you are arguing in favor of having Joe Barry as your defensive coordinator for 2023, first, you can legitimately say the Packers defense did improve as the year went on. They got better down the stretch in the season. It wasn't the second half. It more like the last third of the season. They were better. And shoot, even in the the deciding game of the year, they held the Lions to 20 points. And as disappointing as that final Lions drive was, you should be able to win NFL football games when your defense only allows 20 points. If you can't score more than 16 in the gotta-have-it game of the year, I would posit that, yes, you deserve to lose. And wouldn't you know it, that was the title of the last podcast episode. So, yeah, the Packers' defense did improve as the year went on. Secondly, you can say, we just need some continuity for young guys. As many veterans as we had last year and starting this season— we still did add a lot of young talent. We had Quay Walker. We had Devontae Wyatt. We had Darnell Savage, still I think qualifies as a young guy, playing a new role. Eric Stokes taking a step in his second year, hopefully. Bringing Joe Barry back, having the Packers in the same system, allows those guys to grow in a familiar environment. Third, I think you can argue that the defense would have been even better down the stretch with Rashawn Gary and Eric Stokes. Now, Rashawn Gary was incredible in the games that he did play, The scary thing about Gary is I think he was getting better even as the season went on. So if you're saying we should keep Joe Barry around, you can say, look, the Packers defense didn't have their best guy and they still got better down the stretch. If Rashawn was playing, how much better could this defense have been? And how much better would he have made guys like Preston Smith and Kingsley and Igbari? I don't know what to call them anymore. JJ or Kingsley, I guess we'll just switch it up back and forth. How much better would the defense have been? And yeah, Eric Stokes had a rough start to the year, but I think they could have improved him down the stretch too, you could argue. Fourth, you could argue that those younger players are going to be playing bigger roles. Quay Walker really starting to take on more responsibility in the second half of the season. Devontae Wyatt getting into the game more, though that's also an indictment of the coaching, but we won't get to that part yet. Um, Those younger guys are going to be playing bigger roles. You'll have Eric Stokes back heading into year three. Darnell Savage may be in his new role a little bit more full-time. Walker in year two, Wyatt in year two, that's only going to help. And having a guy who knows how to, in theory at least, get the most out of those guys will help you. Now, are those good arguments? Point number one, did the Packers defense improve as the year went on? I guess we've kind of belabored the point at this point, but a big reason that they, I think, seemed to play better is they played a a pretty substantial string of bad quarterbacks. Uh, including one guy who may have had a concussion. They did get Kirk Cousins. That is something you can't argue your way argue your way out of. Yes, there was a lot of other things that went on in the game that prevented the the Vikings from from really uh, hanging around in that one. Special teams was a big issue for the Vikings in that one, as we know. 
Uh, still love the replay of Keyshawn Nixon cruising in for the touchdown there, but they did they did shut down a pretty good offense there. There was an offense that had some issues on the offensive line, but yeah, they did get better down the stretch. But uh, getting better, improving down the stretch, saying it a certain way makes it sound like you started from pretty good. But that wasn't the case with the Packers because they started from pretty bad. They did get better, but they started from a pretty bad place. If you're the worst defense in the league and by the end of the season you're the 20th worst defense in the league, you can say, we are 30% better than we were at the start of the season. Isn't that a tremendous improvement? Well, you're still a, a well below average defense. The Packers are still kind of in that below average defense territory, no matter how they improved over the course of the year. So I don't think that's a great argument. The continuity argument, I don't buy at all. Matt LaFleur said that he wanted continuity for the defense. I think that is a terrible case to make. Because you know what the Packers had coming from 2021 to 2022 on their defense? They had a lot of continuity. You brought back Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, Devondre Campbell, Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary, Jair Alexander, Rasul Douglas, Eric Stokes, Darnell Savage, Adrian Amos, and all you added was a first-round pick, another first-round pick, and Jaron Reed. That's at least 10 starters, as well as some other depth guys, Chris Barnes, Isaiah McDuffie, guys that were here last year. If continuity is so important, why wasn't the Packers' defense significantly better in 2022 than it was in 2021? Continuity, sure, if it matters, that's great. Let's see some evidence of that continuity mattering, because I'm not seeing it. They had a lot of continuity from last year to this year. Didn't seem to help them all that much. Thirdly, if you want to argue that the Packers' defense would have been better with Rashawn Gary and Eric Stokes down the stretch, I guess, yeah, probably, Rashawn Gary for sure, but saying, well, they got hurt, and that really hurt us, well, you're always going to have injuries. Maybe it's not Rashawn Gary next year, but maybe it's Kenny Clark. Maybe it's Jair Alexander. We've certainly seen that happen before. Maybe it's, who knows what else. Maybe it's a combination of guys that between them miss like 30 games total. Injuries are going to happen, and you can't use that as an excuse for why your defense didn't perform if you're supposed to be the guy that's fixing all the problems on the defense. Finally, if you're saying that next year is going to be better because the younger guys are going to be playing bigger and more important roles... I think that's a, a pretty big criticism of what you did with the team this year. Because if Devontae Wyatt was good enough to help your defense in 2023, why wasn't he playing over guys that are probably not going to be around in 2023 anyway or, or going to be around in smaller roles? I don't think there's really many arguments to be made that Wyatt, at the very least, didn't have more potential than Dean Lowry or even Jaron Reed this year, though Reed played much better down the stretch too. Uh, there you'd have a hard time really making that case in any degree of honesty. Maybe he wasn't quite prepared at the start of the year. Okay, that's fine. That happens. But he still is a better player than Lowry. He starts getting more snaps. It seems like instantly the Packers' defense plays better up front. He can get more pressure than Lowry does. He is just more explosive as an athlete than Lowry is. And if you're going to get washed out against the run, so be it. I mean, if your big criticism is that Wyatt isn't ready to hold up against the run, well, neither was Lowry. He has been a liability against the run for three years now, if, if not much, much more. Basically, since the, the changeover from early Petten to mid-period pet, mid Petten to Barry. It, it hasn't been great. So what's, what's the argument there? 
oh, well, he's going to play better next year. He'll play more snaps. Well, why wasn't he playing snaps this year? I don't know. <laughs> and Barry, ironically, did even say that at one point this year. Why isn't the Packers defense playing better? Well, I don't know. Anyway, Joe Barry is back. I didn't intend this to be as big a segment on Joe Barry as it was, but uh, we will talk more at length about Joe Barry next year. Speaking of next year, let's take a second to talk about the state of the Packers and where they are heading into next year. If you are talking about the overall state of the team, I think you can boil it down to four words. Neither here nor there. The Packers are not their past. They are not prime Aaron Rodgers. They are not contending just because we have Aaron Rodgers type of team anymore. But they are not in the Jordan Love era yet either. They have an old quarterback. I need to stop saying that Aaron Rodgers is aging because in NFL terms, he is old now. 39, you're in that category. That's just how it is. They are old or expensive at other important spots too. David Bakhtiari is expensive and he probably has the knees of a 60-year-old man now, at least one knee of a 60-year-old man. Though if they used cadaver parts, he might technically have the knee of a much younger man, but I think you understand what I'm getting at there. Aaron Jones, we've covered at length, is quite expensive. Devondre Campbell is old and fairly expensive for what he is as a player at this point. It's also not clear what the Packers are doing with Jordan Love. The decision point on his fifth-year option is coming up quickly here. For that and many other reasons, they are not really ready to be something at present or positioned for the future. So, you are Mark Murphy. You are the president of the Packers. How do you sell that? The Titletown District is making money. The team is as popular across the country as, as it's been. They're a big draw. The, number, the TV numbers were huge on Christmas for the Packers. People want to see the Packers. So imagine you're Mark Murphy, and you know that part of your job is to pitch your vision of the Packers to the board of directors. Your retirement is coming up. How are you setting up the Packers for your last couple of years here in charge? What is your vision for this team? How do you sell where the Packers are right now to your bosses, the board of directors? So imagine you're Mark Murphy. You wake up in your very sensible Green Bay home. You put on your very sensible suit that you bought straight off the rack at JCPenney. It was on sale. You got a good deal on it. You even had a gift card. Great deal. Feeling good. You put on your tie. It's a yellow one today. Yellow Packers tie. Yellow tie, little tiny Packers logos on it. You got it from the pro shop. You used your employee discount. 15% off. Great deal. You even climb aboard your penny-farthing bicycle and drive down Lombardi Avenue to work. You arrive at Lambeau Field, and what do you say to the board of directors? Well, if I'm Mark Murphy, here is my pitch. You say, I say, look, the season didn't go as we hoped. We had a plan. We were transitioning from Devontae Adams to a different offense. But things didn't go as we hoped. Championships are the standard. We did not meet that standard. We didn't get to the Super Bowl. We didn't win the NFC North. We didn't even get to the playoffs. We didn't get it done this year, but I am confident, I remain confident in Brian Gutekunst and Matt LaFleur that they can get us to that point. Both these guys signed contract extensions during the season and were confident in the work that they've done and will continue to do. In fact, I think their track records speak for themselves. Brian Gutekunst got some real contributions from our draft class this year. Quay Walker looks like he's off to a very solid start. Uh, Issues with 
getting kicked out of games aside. Christian Watson obviously has had an excellent year. Zach Tom filled in in interesting ways. Uh, Romeo Dobbs started the season very strong before he was hampered by some injuries. Uh, Brian also made some really good free agent additions this year, uh, both in the offseason and in-season. Keyshawn Nixon, we expect that he'll be named All-Pro as a kick returner here in the very near future. Justin Hollins, too, came in and played some key reps for us as an edge rusher this year. It was a great season from Brian. He did some really excellent work, and I expect he'll continue to do excellent work into 2023 and beyond. As far as Matt goes, he and his coaching staff really were a key part of helping these young guys develop. We're confident that he is going to continue to do that as we add more young talent. And we, we're going to need some young talent given given where our, our salary cap situation is. But we're confident that uh, that Russ can clear us up some cap space too and get us some resources to work with. But I think Matt has a staff in place that's going to allow us to develop some of these young players too. He and his staff, we're going to get a lot of guys back next year. We've got Rashawn coming back from his ACL injury. And of course, we wish him all the best in his continued recovery, as well as Eric Stokes, who we are still very high on as a young player. We think he can contribute a lot as well heading into his third season. And as far as the quarterback situation goes, whether it's Aaron or Jordan, and we're obviously very thankful to Aaron for his long service with the Green Bay Packers. He's a key part of our our story, and uh, we're excited to see how, how his career continues to play out. Uh, we are confident in the quarterback position, and it's going to be uh, continue to be a great position for years to come in Green Bay. I mean, Aaron has obviously done things very well for, at a very high level for a long time. The broken thumb really hampered him this year, but I still believe in him as a quarterback. We still believe in, in what he can do, else we wouldn't have given him the contract we gave him. We are confident that he is a part of our future for as long as he wants to be. Meanwhile, we think Jordan's future is very bright. You saw what he could do against the Philadelphia Eagles. We believe that's just a small taste of what he's capable of. I think that puts him in a good position for next year and beyond as a member of the Green Bay Packers. I think if you look at all of that, uh, men and women of our board of directors, I think that all adds up to a better result for us in 2023. And I'm confident that we're still going to be playing at this point next year. That's the standard for us, and that's the standard we're going to try to reach. Now, do I believe all that? No. I do not believe in the strength of this roster top to bottom right now. I don't have a high degree of confidence in some of the coaches they have on their staff. I think asking Rashawn Gary to come back and be the best player in your defense after an ACL injury is a pretty big ask, and I'm not sure what the Packers are going to do at the quarterback position this offseason because there are some big decision points there. But if you're Mark Murphy and you're running the Green Bay Packers, part of your job is to be the chief storyteller for the team. Justice Mosqueda does this a lot on the, the APC pod. He points out that every team's got an internal narrative about what they think about themselves and what they think the reasons are for what they've done, why they've done what they've done. So if you're looking at the Packers, I think their internal narrative goes like this. First, our roster was basically what we hoped by the end of the season. And we feel good about that. It obviously looked like it could perform well once we got everybody together. Shoot, we didn't even have David Bakhtiari for most of our our winning streak there due to the appendectomy. We were in the position we were in at the end of the season because at the start we were really hurt by injuries. Our offensive line was beat up. Our wide receivers were beat up. And we didn't even get a chance to really integrate our receivers into the offense because Christian Watson spent so much time on the sideline in training camp due to injury. So we weren't going to have the version of the offense that we wanted to have even at the start of the season, at the start of the season. And by the time all those issues were fixed, 
Aaron Rodgers himself was hurt. But even so, we went on a run, we got things figured out, and we were in contention to make the playoffs there at the end. We're not that far away. A couple of tweaks, add some more draft picks, we'll be good to go for 2023. I think that's the story the Packers are going to tell themselves this offseason. Now, Aaron Rodgers still holds a lot of cards there. He obviously can, can take things in a lot of different directions. But I think that's basically the story. And that's what a couple of different looks at the state of the Packers. I don't think they're here or there right now. And they've got to have a really long, honest conversation with themselves about where they are right now and where they're going. I think the Packers think they're going back to the playoffs in 2023. I don't think they are ready to embrace a rebuild yet. But the funny thing about rebuilds is sometimes they come for you. Sometimes you get taken by forces out of your control. And the world of football tells you it's time. It's coming for you. Because it comes for everybody sooner or later. And maybe if some of those forces, say a quarterback who decides that he doesn't want to play anymore, decide that they're done with the Packers, maybe things go in a very different direction for 2023. I think we got to wait and see on a lot of this stuff. And I think the Packers kind of have to wait and see on a lot of this stuff too. But I think they're going to tell themselves, for right now at least, that they are just that close, just a couple of players away, like Aaron Rodgers said post-game, after the loss to the Lions, from getting to where they want to be. Is that the truth? That's a debate we can have all offseason, but I think that's what the Packers believe right now. That's all I've got for you in this episode. I appreciate you tuning in. I would appreciate it even more if you would take a second and share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it as well. It's going to help more people find the show and get more people involved in the conversation we're having about the Green Bay Packers, which in turn is going to help all of us, me included, become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.